Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Darlene's effort helped secure a point, but freaking aho. Are you kidding me, Marty Baran? <laughs> Two more for Sebastian as far as points. Both were primary assists. No one among active players is feasting on Buffalo at a higher level than Sebastian Aho's 1.53 points per game. We used to live in a world where we thought Crosby always did the most damage. Aho is ahead of even the great. Sidney Crosby standing alone, destroying the blue and gold. I don't think he's ever destroyed the black and red. So let's let's hope if that ever comes about, uh, he'll uh, he'll calm down a little bit. But uh, what's the takeaway from last night in Raleigh? The takeaway is okay. The glass half full. They got a point. They 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 battled to get a point. Uh, they had to kill a lot of penalties and they were called a lot, uh, especially in the second period and managed to, um, you know, get their own power play goal and Darlene scoring and getting a point. Um, talk is playing really well. Paterka still going. Casey Milstead, I feel, has got his game. Uh, we, we are seeing a lot of really good things. Darlene and Ryan Johnson together. That was good. That these are all great takeaways. Mm-hmm. The glass half empty is, the power play there's only one thing that is is like really? kind of holding me back right now is the power play even though they scored on the power play what is happening to this momentum building type of 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 events that the sabers were able to use last year to generate five on five production and and chances and and confidence right like the mm-hmm. power play is just not clicking at all and it's 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 making me like rethink the 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 system of the power play right now and what's going wrong with it. I'm interested in this for a number of reasons, not the least of which we are mandated to be interested in it because it's our Twitter question today. <laughs> Blank. Funny how that comes would, about, right? <laughs> blank would improve the Sabres power play. Have at it. We've had quite the responses so far, and we'll mix them in. Um, I was going to ask, like, what is secondary scoring? Meaning, <clears throat> is it that depth production that we were curious about heading into last night because you had a new line combination of guys that really could use the boost 
Krebs needs to break through. Olofsson needs to break through. Rusek's trying to carve out his place here. And or the third or fourth line, however you want to look at it, Jost, Gergensen's Opozo. Like last year when it was Krebs, Gergensen's Opozo, like they they counted 11, 10, and 9 goals respectively, each of them mm-hmm. on the season. Well, no, nobody's on that pace right now, and that's not no. a high pace. So you're missing that. You're missing the third line, and this is a trickle down from not having Quinn, Benson's injured, Byro was called up, he's injured, Cousins is out of the lineup. So there's a lot of reasons, but if I were to say, like, what is secondary scoring, do you look at it like depth among the forwards, or do you just instantly go, the power play is what provides that depth in scoring? No, no. When I think of secondary scoring, I basically pull up the statistical page of the Sabres on NHL.com and I say, okay, pass the seventh scorer of the team, like pass the sixth scorer of the team. Who else? Who, who's providing, you know, from eight till 11, like the middle of the pack, right? Because I understand that there's probably going to be four maybe five defensemen because let's say they have seven that are not going to be factoring in the top 14 of, of goal score. Like Darlene's going to be there. Power is going to be there in the top seven, eight. And then after that, there's, there's probably not going to be anybody else there, but that means that it leaves only room for five or six forwards. Like who is that six, seven, eight forward that can get you points. And when I pulled that page up, I'm literally looking Okay, after Dylan Cousins, who's not playing right now, who has seven points in 11 games, who's providing you offense? Like even Jordan Greenway, who's playing really well, well, he's got six points in 13 on only two goals. Which is fine, though, for him. Like if you were to project it out and you said, well, Mm -hmm. if Greenway ends up at about 30 points, that'll be wonderful if he especially if you were factoring in what he's been doing on the penalty kill last night's bad bounce notwithstanding. Yeah, well, I totally get that, but it's so, but Greenway is the start of my, I would love to get a little bit more offense out of Greenway, but I'm not going to worry about it because his overall game has been great mm-hmm. and he's found chemistry with different line mates and he's doing his job. But then after that, you obviously are looking at Kyle, who's only got three assists and Zemgus who's got two goals and you got Krebs and Olafson. Like if Olafson was at Eight points in in twelve games in thirteen games. If he had played he all was, the games, he had. Think of how many goals he had through eleven games last year. I believe he had like, nine goals. But but again, like I don't care if it's power play or five on five. Production is production. It's goals on the board. Correct. And yeah. if Victor or Peyton Krebs were more than at the two points, one point each that they're at right now. I wouldn't worry about Jordan Greenway. I'd say Jordan Greenway, I love. I love everything. I don't need more than 30 points on the Jordan Greenway. I need him to do exactly what he's doing now. So that's where the second door scoring for me um, comes in. Now, the power play scoring is an extension of your primary scoring for me. Like, Can you imagine if the power play was rolling, what that would do right now for uh Tage Thompson for Alex Stock for Rasmus Dahlin. Like they'd be where we want them to be instead right. of being just at or under a point a game, they'd be over. They'd be Tage Thompson on pace for 90 or 95 or 100 points instead of being on pace for 70. Is 70 good? Yeah. But is 95 better? Absolutely. Well, and last year at this time, um, the Sabres were 13th on the power play. They had scored 11 times and were humming at 23.9%. Right now, they are 27th in the league 
they have five power play goals and they're at 12.8%. So they're down 10% from where they were a year ago. And we also know that a year ago, they eventually got even better on the power play before regressing towards the end and settling in right around that number uh, to still rank in the top 10 overall. Mm -hmm. The... It it's amazing. Do you know where the Sabres were in the standings last year uh, through 13 games where we are right now? Or through the date, I should say, the calendar date, November well, 7th? Well, they started 5-2-2, two, and two, if I remember correctly, after 9, right? So they probably were a few points ahead of where we are now. Well, as of today, the Sabres are currently tied for 15th in the league's overall standings. And a year yeah. ago, they were tied for 15th in the overall yeah. standings. <laughs> there was two points difference. And, um, you know, it is what it is. Actually, one point difference. But um, so it's funny how you look at numbers and try to get to where you want to go. Um, and I think the reason I kind of phrased the question the way I did about secondary scoring is I think the power play is what is desperately needed by pretty much anybody that's taking part in it to then improve meaningful secondary scoring contributions at five on five. Like, I don't think Olofsson is feeling it on the power play. I think it carries over. Krebs obviously had the first amazing look in the game last night, did everything but score. But until he does, he's probably not going to feel like he's got it, right? Yeah. And and again, I don't know what the realistic expectation is of Opozo. Gergensen's Jost, not power play players other than Kyle, but it's just, it's, there's just a lot of offense missing. I think all that being said, I think it's actually pretty impressive, largely due to better shot suppression this year, better goaltending, dramatically improved penalty kill. The Sabres are in the hunt. Um, as is a common term around here. If everything is always working, if your power play's working, your penalty kill's working, your goaltending's working, your five-on-five five offense working, you're going to be the Vegas Golden Knights. You're going to have that type of start, right? That's just the way it is. There's always a piece that's not going to be perfect, which mm-hmm. is where the Sabres are at right now. But how can you make that piece better? How can you just one little step better? Right? I look at yesterday's game. It's a 2-2 game where you had power play opportunities, your penalty kill did the job, and your five-on-five game to a certain extent was okay. There was some scrambly part, but okay. You know, you didn't get hurt that bad because of it. Uh, no, you only gave up 27 shots in the game. Yeah, exactly. You didn't produce any, any much either, but the, your power play had nothing. Five shot attempts on the power play. In the power play time that they had, that's it. Five shot attempts should be in the first minute of the first power play, not in seven, a whole game. Almost seven full minutes of power play time last night. They had five shot attempts. Carolina had six and a half power play minutes. They had 17 shot attempts. Yeah. And it just goes on and on and on when it comes to the power play last night. This is natural stat trick telling us that the Canes – uh, scoring chances for and against on their power play, 11 for none against Buffalo. They had one for and one against, which was the big breakaway save by Lukanen on Jack Drury from falling by, on, on, by Lukanen on Drury. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just so those are, those are startling numbers for sure. And okay. So do you want me to dive into what well, is going on with that? With I the do, but play. I want to ask you something before I forget to ask. Yeah. And I've never asked you this before, so um, there's always a first for everything. This is a this is a clean clean slate here. What is it 
like practicing special teams. Because as an outside observer, most people think, well, the power play is never going to go full bore because you're not going to be firing head-high shots looking for deflections in practice, right? So you can't one million percent replicate the power play like you're going to do it in a game. However, the emphasis from this coaching staff admittedly has been we didn't have enough time to teach last year because we were focused on teaching five on five and other things. But this year we're spending way more time teaching on the penalty kill. So when I started thinking about all this, I'm like, is it in any way possible that the power play isn't even fine? And now we are almost always on the air when they're practicing. So it's hard to, you know, observe this from afar, but like, Assuming that the penalty kill is better in practice than it used to be, does that <laughs> frustrate the power play? Like, is there some sort of weird thing happening here where, like, they just they can't find a rhythm because they're being defended even harder in practice? So it's it's hard to duplicate special teams, especially power play in practice. And it's hard to duplicate penalty kill, but you can do positioning and you know you're not going to block shots and and give 100%. But at least right. you know your, your transition, your switch underneath, your angles, you can work on all of that. Two things with the power play. A lot of times you're going to practice the in-zone component of it. You're going to say, okay, we're in zone. Let's start from like, let's say a face-off. You win the draw. Okay, get in your setup. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you move the puck around. But again, you're not going to set up Tage Thompson for the one-timer. Although he may fake it and then you say, oh, I would have had it, but I'm going to move the puck somewhere else. But it doesn't allow for Tage to be able to do it in a live power play practice now after practice he may say to Rasmus Dahlin let's get 20 pucks feed me and I'll hit the one timer because I want to feel good about it that's fine mm-hmm. um that's one component of it of of the power play the biggest problem with working on the power plays is zone entries because the, the, you're going against your teammate they know what you're trying to do but they don't want to cheat because they want to play their own system, but they still know what you're trying to do. So very few times will you work on zone entries and full eyes breakouts. Why? Because it's just not going to work. It's not going to work against your own team that know exactly what you're going to do. And again, you can't be physical, right? You can't hit somebody on the wall. You you don't want to dump and chase in, in a practice. You want to work on getting entry and 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 possession on entry. So it's very hard. I remember thinking as a goalie, I would watch power play practice and I'd be in net thinking, number one, I don't want to be doing that as the goalie because I'm going to either see like one timers and, and it's, it's no fun uh, in practice. Number two, like it drove me nuts how like they would go through the motion. Okay, I got the puck on the half wall. I'm going to the point, going back to half wall, go down low, try to play down low, whistle. Okay, let's do it again. Like, that's not how it goes in a game, but it's very hard to duplicate that in practice what's happening in the game. So did you come to an answer there? (laughs) Well, my answer is very easy when it comes to the Sabres and their and their lack of success on the power play. There's two reasons for it. There's really three reasons for it. One is that last year they outperformed their expectations by a mile. They were number one in the league last year with 17 more goals 
than expected on the power play uh, compared to the average. This year, they're on the negative. So they're 22nd in the league this year but with a minus one and a half goals compared to the expectations. So they're not even meeting expectations to where their shot and their shot selection are. Mm-hmm. They like if, if they were like they were last year, they would have had right now an extra four goals on the power play, an extra three goals on the power play, which means maybe an extra two wins. Who knows, yeah. right? That's the difference. They had 17 and a half more goals than expectations last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that allows like, you know, maybe that's Victor Olofsson and his one-timer because we know he does have a really good one-timer. He can score above expectations because of the quality of his shot. Paige Thompson one-timer. We haven't seen that this year. Teams are going to prepare against it. But you know what? Teams used to prepare against Stamkos and Ovechkin and Kovalchuk's one-timer. And they still found a way to scheme for allowing Thompson to take that one-timer. So, or or them. Now you got to do for Thompson. So that's one thing that, okay, some, some years or some months you're going to score above expectations. Sometimes you're not. Um, the biggest factor for me and we saw it yesterday, and I think on social media, people were going crazy about it, is zone entries. Zone entries last year for the Buffalo Sabres was not great either, but it was better. They were 26 in the NHL at 61% zone entries last year. Okay, so six out of 10 times that you're going up the ice, you are getting in. It's not great. It's not great, but it was better. Look, Mm -hmm. the best teams last year, Edmonton was 75%, right? So that's a big difference between the Oilers' first team on on zone entries last year at 75% and the Sabres at 60. Now, the problem this season is that the Sabres are 54%. They're they're half, almost half. So only half of your zone entries are are successful. And they're 30th in the NHL. The only two teams behind them are the... Finally, getting off the Schneid San Jose Sharks and the Winnipeg Jets. Like, that's it. You, I have follow had four points for the Jets last night, and the San Jose game was incredible. They had so few shots on goal. Yeah. And Mackenzie Blackwood was so good. Travis Konechny was losing his mind all night trying to get the Sharks to just completely come unglued, and it didn't work. It was it was really the cool. only shark that got on. Oh, and by the way, we need more analysts with green hair because Mark what? Smith, the former shark from the early 2000s, looks like he's traveling with Green Day. And I'm here for it. Like, it's amazing. Mohawk, green hair. Phenomenal. Let's well, go. I don't know that I can uh, sport that, but some people can. So that's good. But anyway, the only two teams that are worse than the Sabres on par play controlled entries are San Jose and Winnipeg. That's it. So that alone means that you have to work so hard to tr- even try to just get in the zone that by the time you get there, maybe it's your second or third try to enter the zone. You're not fresh. You've already been on the ice 40, 45 seconds. The other team builds confidence and it goes to nowhere. So that's the single most, uh, you know, or single biggest reasons for the power play not having success is okay. your zone entries. And you can't really practice them. You 
the only thing you can do is change the way it, it looks. You know, maybe you don't do the drop back anymore because now all the teams are scouting against them and against it and they know what to do. Look at Tage Thompson. Well, his we've goal. seen the drop back for 25 years now, at least. So, well, yeah, but I'm just saying, know. like, sometimes teams um, find something new against it. Like, look at right. Tage's shorthanded goal against Toronto. Why did it work? Because he knew exactly what Toronto was going to do and he's able to counter the drop back and attack, right? And score. Teams are better at it. Okay. So if you're saying you can't practice it because of everything you just said, like that's, it's a loose, you can't practice it. Does it not come down to players? um, Execution? Well, of course, it's always going to be execution, but is there, is there a better way? Is, is it on them to understand better? what they're up against with each team on a nightly basis. Yeah, I, I think that's, well, let's look like at advanced night, scouting, for example. Specifically what did Carolina do specific, last night? Like they, they, yeah. they have to take ownership because I'm not going to sit here and say they're not being told this by the coaching staff. That's what the coaches do. They literally live and break this stuff down all the time. There's yeah. no way they're not communicating it. And so when you use the word execution, it's preparation to execute, right? Well, what and, did Carolina do last yesterday? They had four players across the blue line. They basically said, we don't care if you're coming up with five. We don't care if you're going to drop it back. We are going to hold the blue line. What do you have to do when that happens? You have to dump it in. You have to chip it in and go get it. You have to work hard about it. But if you're doing the drop back, Duffer, okay, so you're coming up the ice and then you drop back. That means that everybody's just at a standstill at the blue line. So the one player, if it's Tate Thompson, who's trying to snake his way through, mm-hmm. can't get through. And if he tries to chip it, it's him against the world. Like Rasmus Dahlin's goal yesterday was simple, but really technically, is that a good way to enter the zone? No, because it was him against the world. He just outwilled it. And I thought it was a bad goal given up by Antti Ranta. It's a simple shot to the glove side. Should not go in, but it works. Okay. So, Here's what you need to do when that happens. You need to come up as a five-man unit, okay? Puck in the middle of the ice. It's like the flying V with the mighty ducks in a certain way, but the other way, not like with people behind you, but people in front of you. You got two to your right, two to your left. You come up, and if you get to the red line and you don't see anything, you chip it behind the penalty killers, and everybody's got speed up the ice instead of being stopped at the blue line. And so that's very simple, although it's not fancy. It's not the way the league is working right now. But when you establish that, then everybody's going to change the way they're going to defend you. And now you're going to be able to go back to your possession entries or try to do that. So for me, it's again, it's better. I don't want to say it's better preparation, but it's looking at different ways to do it, looking at giving your players five breakouts not just one way to do it and i know that it drives certain players crazy when i when lindy ruff was coaching us in the you know mid 2000 there was five breakouts on the power play five way to kill penalties there was five way to do face offs in the offensive zone the neutral zone there was five neutral zone four check there was so many information some guys were like this is great we're always changing it up and some guys was like I can't do it. I can't like this is I I can't think five different ways. I got to play one way and that's how it works. I'd like to think that you don't have to go 
one extreme or the other, but a happy middle would work right now for the power play to get some success. Well, uh, which is your favorite blank that has been inserted to us today on Twitter when it comes to blank is the way to improve the power play? Okay, so one person said, um, you know, you, you can't re- you can't dump and chase because you you don't usually uh, recover. I'd say that would not be the case if you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. If you have Tuck, if you have even Darlene, if you have Thompson. Well, Cousins is back at practice today. Now, with that in itself is interesting, um, of course, because he's been largely on the number one unit, but he's still also been part of that unit not scoring a ton so far this year. So. Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, one suggestion came from, uh, let me find it here. Uh, well, PhD Yummy. Um, that is, uh, we can who do it without is on, the names, quite honestly. Well, I so, want to give credit. Yeah. He says, move Skinner off power play one. I could see a situation where you would move Casey Middlestat to the middle, the, the bumper position on the power play, and you would put Olofsson on the right side. So you would go with, uh, Olofsson one timer on the right and Thompson one timer on the left. And then you keep team guessing. It doesn't change your issue on entry. The issue on entry is systematic. The issue on entry is drawing it the right way to be able to gain entry. Once you're in the zone, now, have we seen enough of the Sabres in zone to be able to say we need to change everything? Um, So that's one solution, but you're taking off a player that has been playing really well for you and producing for you. You're going to say, hey, Jeff, we're taking you off power play one, and we're going to put Victor, who has one assist and was a healthy scratch. Like, that doesn't make sense. I know that maybe it's a solution. And maybe they get to it, but I don't think that it's for right now. Uh, Yuri Kulik is maybe a solution. But you've already got Byro that's on IR now. you got Rusek up here. you got Ryan Johnson up here. You're going to have Savoy that's going to probably be inserted at some point. Yuri Kulik is not for right now. He may be for in a month down the road, but he's not for right now. I think for right now, it's all about trying to fix the entries as opposed to trying to change a personnel. Hold that thought because undoubtedly there are more uh, blanks to be filled in on this particular topic. We'll do that next here on Sabres Live. Of course, Hockey Fights Cancer Night is coming up this Friday at Key Bank Center, and we look forward to seeing you at the arena, decked out in lavender and supporting those in the fight. It's November 10th, 7 p.m. Minnesota's here in partnership with Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center. All fans in attendance receive a Hockey Fights Cancer scarf. You can get your tickets now at sabres.com HFC. Back after this on Sabres Live. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 